right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to take any more of your time because I want to introduce our speaker today. She is one of our lead pastors. She's one of the most authentic, loving people, and I don't say this lately, that I have ever met. I'm serious. You, you can't talk to her for more than like a nanosecond without seeing, I'm dead serious, without just seeing the love of Jesus exude from every pore in her body and the compassion that she has for every single person that she meets, whether she knows you or not. It, it is incredibly evident. So we know her and we love her. Pastor Kelly, come on up. Give it up for Pastor Kelly. Thank you, David. David, that was so kind. Thank you. Wow, it is good to be here and with family. Amen. It's good to be with you guys. I'm excited. Wasn't that amazing about Casey? Come on. I just want to challenge you. I mean, it just took a spark of hunger for him to say, you know what, I'm going to step out on a limb and I'm going to, you know, spend my money, spend my time, all of that stuff, just to step out and to go away on a global awakening missions trip. I want to encourage you that there is ministry trips all year round. And I, I'm, my life was forever changed when I went on a ministry trip to Brazil, um, maybe different cities than Casey went to. Um, with Global Awakenings, and my life was forever changed. I am not the same person, and what I saw in Brazil when I saw, when I laid my hands on people and saw blind eyes opening and deaf ears opening, when you just see everything, you see everything in the Bible, and then some, because he talks about greater things, you see it just through your own prayers, through the prayers of regular old people, and and then when you get home, you see it at home, because I, every day, I, I ask God to use me. I have it I have it programmed in my cell phone as a reminder. God used me today. Every day at 1030, it goes off. It probably will go off. It probably already did. And it will say, God used me today. It's just a reminder. And I'll tell you, wherever I go, if God tells me to stop for the person in front of me, I do it because I know that it's not my strength and not my power, but it's his. Come on. And he wants to be glorified. And if you read in the Bible, um, when Jesus prayed for the sick, when people were delivered, when people were healed, it glorified the Father. I don't know about you, but he called us to glorify the Father. Amen? And so I believe that in every believer's life, it's not just for the fivefold ministers, it's not just for the pastors, the teachers, the prophets, it's not just for them, it's for everyone, every believer you know, in the sound of my voice, he wants us to move in supernatural power. That's why we're here. We're little Jesuses on this earth. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm going for it. Come on. I am going for it. It is, it is way too, I'm, I'm not preaching on this, but I'm just going for it. <laughs> it's, way, it's way too old for us to just be two-sitter Christians. I'm not in for it, and we're not, we're not leading a church that's going to be two-sitter Christians, so I'm just letting you know, all right? <laughs> God can use, if he can use anyone, if he can use crazy old me, he can use crazy old you, amen? So I want to challenge you, you know, uh, look into it, go on a ministry trip, um, hang around people, take our discipleship track, we're going to start it in September, you know, we're called to raise up disciples to impact their world. That means 
that, you know, we're not just raising you up so that you can use your gifts in the church. That's a good thing. We're raising you up so that when you leave this place, you know exactly what to do. (laughs) You know how to pray for the sick. You know how to hear God's voice. And you know how to do what he's asked you to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm in for that. God wants you to move not in your own strength, but in his strength. Amen. And I don't know about you. I got sick of trying of believing things and not seeing it in my life and it and it got me frustrated to where I, we got connected with this amazing ministry global awakening and there's other amazing ministries out here in the world but God for some reason connected us with them and and my life is forever changed now I just don't have a theory of the supernatural I live the supernatural come on So we are, sorry, are you guys okay? I'm sorry, I had to do that little, that just bubbled out of me. <laughs> so, because um, you can tell I'm passionate about it. Um, and I know my husband's passionate about it too, and we're passionate about it. Our staff's passionate about it. Um, so, anyways, we are continuing this amazing series called Heroes. Um, how many have been here for some of the heroes? Um, and I hope you enjoyed it. I know that. Um, David spoke and Pastor Roger and I think Tony spoke too or no not yet he's he's on it a couple of weeks so I I was asked to pick a hero and I think I I couldn't help myself but I picked the best hero in the whole Bible and it's Jesus <laughs> I thought oh my gosh how can I oh my gosh it's got to be Jesus you know like the the right answer for every Sunday school teacher is like is Jesus, right? You know, when they'd ask you a question, it's Jesus. And so I'm going to try, and there is no way, you guys know this, there's no way that I can cover all of Jesus today. Come on. I mean, it would take a whole lifetime to talk about, you know, who he is and, and what he's done for us. It's just amazing. He is the ultimate hero. Amen. He's the ultimate hero. He's the one who rescued and saved the day. You know, he, um, he, he just, like, wrecked my life. I'll tell you a story of when the first time that God rescued me. I was eight years old, and I, um, my mom had uh, gone to a Bible study in our neighborhood, and she was, she was just going through some things in her personal life, and this woman invited her, and she went to this Bible study, and in that Bible study, she met Jesus for the first time. She heard about Jesus. She grew up um, going to uh, a Catholic church, and so she heard about Jesus, and she learned about Jesus. And um, But this time, it was the first time in her life where she was offered to make Jesus a personal, have a personal relationship with Jesus. So she asked Jesus to forgive her of her, all of her sins and to come into her life. And she came home that day, and she was different. And I remember that. My father at the time... He was a fire, Syracuse fire, fireman, and um, so he would work two days, two nights, and then four off. That was his schedule. And so it was on one of the evening scheduled days where he was working nights, and I was an only child at the time. And um, my during, when my father would work nights, I would always, a lot of times, ask if I could sleep in my mom's room, and my kids would put me there. <laughs> 
So no one's going to sleep with you. And that night she said yes. And while I was in her room, she told me what happened to her that day. And she just started sharing with me that Jesus did on the cross, how he came to forgive all of my sins and to make things all clean and better. And so I remember praying that prayer. And I remember for the first time in my life, I felt clean. I felt love. I felt joy. You know, I felt this just overwhelmingly feeling of I'm not in trouble anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how to explain it in a kid's terms as I was, I was nine years old, but I'm not in trouble anymore. Jesus forgave all my sins, and I'm free right now. And she said that um, that whole night um, and when she would roll over and see me sleeping, she said that I had this big smile on my face because of what Jesus did. I couldn't help it. And so, like, God just encountered me that day. It was, it was just the first time encounter with Jesus. And he just, like, made me brand new. And I know all of you could come up here and share your story, and it would be so amazing because, you know, God is so personal, and all of our stories are so good, you know? Just what he does is so big and so exciting. And so um, the main verse that I'm going to use today is in First Colossians. Or in Colossians, there's no space. That's first and second Corinthians. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, that's where I got the first from, 13 and 14. And it says this. It says, for he has rescued us. Come on, he's the hero, right? You think of like Superman coming and rescuing. Like Jesus is the ultimate hero. And for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves. That is amazing. In whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And that is such a powerful verse. Like he rescued us because what Adam did in the garden, God restored on the cross. You know what I mean? Like he restored this relationship because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it made this kind of chasm because God is a holy God. And, and, you know, no one can come to, come before him, you know, unless, you know, they are cleansed and holy. And so there was this separation. And so in the Old Testament, they would have to, there would have to be a blood sacrifice in order to get their sins forgiven, in order to get close to God. And so um, there was this sacrifice that they would have to do. But um, when, when uh, Jesus came... And I want to tell you something amazing about this, about Jesus, the Messiah, because he was prophesied over. There was over 300 different prophetic words about Jesus that he fulfilled. I mean, that is crazy. It's just, like, amazing on how every little detail Jesus fulfilled. I don't know about you. That's just crazy, um, unbelievable to me that he could do that. He could walk through that. And that scripture verse for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in the, into the kingdom of his son. That is such a powerful word. I just want to break that down in, in, in some of the original language. And this is, um, Colossians is in the New Testament, and the original language is the Greek. And so the word um, in the Greek, I don't know if I want to pronounce this, it's harpazizo or whatever. <laughs> Probably screw that one up. And it's an extremely, extremely strong and aggressive word. 
that presents a picture of snatching someone out of a dangerous situation. It's like he rescued us. He snatched us out of a dangerous situation, out of the dominion of darkness. He just like, he came and he snatched us when he came and did what he did on the cross. It's kind of, um, it's kind of better translated like to sneak, to seize, to, to go and get. And then um, the, the other part of this verse, it talks about, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son in whom we love. And the delivered part, because um, that word also rescued could be delivered as well in different translations. And that word portrays an, uh, that moment when he came and rescued, he broke the power of the, of the devil. He broke that power over you. He broke the power of sin. Like the cross is super powerful. You know, it broke all of his, his, uh, his power. It just broke it over our life, and he snatched us out of the kingdom of darkness. It's like he, it's like a connotation of such a strong word that he grabbed the back of our necks out of danger just in the nick of time. Like he came and was like, oh, I am saving them, and that's what he did on the cross. It was like we were destined for hell. We were destined for death. We were destined for just depression and all of these things, but Jesus made a way where there was no way for us to be saved, to be rescued, to be um, captured by his love. He is so amazing and so wonderful. And it's like you can spend the rest of your lives getting to know him, and it's never enough. You know what I mean? Because it's so good. He's that good of a father. He did such an amazing thing that day. It's not just an act for us to know about. It's a relationship for us to experience. Amen? Like we have a real, God is real. And he wants to spend time with us. He cares about those things that we go through. He cares. He is a God who cares. He never, the Bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers, that he cares for us. And so, you know, it's amazing what Adam lost in the garden, Jesus restored at the cross. And it's so powerful. And, and an, another part that is just so amazing, there's a, um, a, a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. And Isaiah was a prophet. And, and in Isaiah, I love it how um, you can read some of these prophecies about the Messiah. And, like, there's some that David talked about, and there's some that Isaiah talked about, and there's some all over, all over the place in the Old Testament. I mean, this whole book, you know, you encounter Jesus throughout the whole book. It talks about Jesus. It points to Jesus, the redemption of his people. And uh, it's so powerful. And so... As, as sometimes you read, like, David will be will talking about himself, and you understand that it's about himself, like in a psalm. And then it will go into, like, um, something about the Messiah, you know, like, he, not a bone was broken, or, you know, uh, he didn't open his mouth, or things like that. So it's so powerful how, you, how God speaks. And you know what is amazing? As I was learning about that, how God was speaking prophetically in some of the prophecies, that it reminded me that that's how he speaks today. How many experienced that? Like, there would be times where I, I would be praying for someone or maybe praying for something that I knew about them, and then all of a sudden the, the power of God comes through, and I begin to prophesy over someone, right? And I begin to speak life and prophetically, and, I, and something that I didn't know. So it's something that has been, you know, had always been that God loves to move and he loves to speak through us. And so Isaiah in this chapter 53 is such a powerful prophetic 
chapter about what Jesus did on the cross. So we're just going to turn there, and we're just going to read. I think it's going to be up on the screen for you. But it is such an, it is just amazing, all of the things that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. It wasn't just to forgive our sins. How many know that? There's so much more. And so I'll start in verse 2, and it says, He, and they're talking about Jesus, Isaiah is, He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. And, and we see that when we read the Gospels, that he was just despised. Like, even on the day of, you know, um, when he was getting crucified, just all of everyone just turned their backs on him and they despised him. You saw it with the Pharisees and different things uh, on how people treated him. They just despised him and they just rejected him. A man of sorrows, I'm going to go back and read, man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. So he suffered like one from whom we hide our faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And um, I, I, when he was on the cross and they, and they, as, as they were, you know, doing all of those horrible things to him, you know, the Bible talks about how they, they beat him, you know, um, what is it, like 29 lashes, or was it 30 something, how many, 39, sorry about 39 lashes, you know, minus one or whatever it was, and and they, they did all these things. They pulled out hair in his beard. They, you know, they did all of these horrible things. They took his clothes and they, um, they divided it among one another. And they cast lots for it. They just did all of these things. And all of these little details that happened to Jesus were all spoke about hundreds of years ago before it even happened. And so it's just amazing and God is so amazing. He just is so amazing. And so as they were, um, as they were like dividing his clothes, they, they took his clothes. And I never really realized that, that as Jesus was on the cross, I mean, he, he, was, he died in our place. So there's, there's like nothing that we go through that he can't sympathize with. You know, how many have heard that and believe that, that he's been through everything and, and, you know, he can, he can um, sympathize with us when we go through stuff. And there, there was a, a time where they just took all of his clothes, and he was hung on the cross. He was beaten. They said you couldn't even recognize him as a man, and he was there naked. And that is just like, I mean, you just don't want to look upon that. And so there was, like, so much shame that he, he went through as he was on the cross. Um, as he died for us, there's so many details that he died for us to be free from. And one of them is um, shame. And, and I don't know about you. I don't know if there's people in this place and maybe you have um, had some terrible, shameful things in your life where maybe you've been abused and, and you kind of, you know, were kind of left there for people to see and you just carry that in your in your mind through your life, every once in a while it comes back. And I just want to say to you today that Jesus cross, Jesus died on the cross to bear your shame so that you don't have to carry that anymore. And he wants to set you free from that today. And I believe that there's many in here 
who maybe have dealt with abuse that God wants to bring healing to you. And he wants to just, there's, there's something that when Jesus heals you, you can remember the incident, but you don't have any pain associated with it. And so God just wants to do that today. And so I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> I get on these little bunny trails, so just bear with me, okay? And, um, and it says, he was despised, and we esteemed him, esteemed him not. Surely, and that just means like for sure, absolutely, he bore or took up our infirmities. And those are our griefs, our sicknesses. He carried our sorrows, our pains, all of those pains we go through. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. So he was pierced for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities, our abuses that we went through. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. So there's so much there right there, but he like died for so much right there. He died for your sickness so that you don't have to be sick. He died for your your peace of mind so you don't have to have confusion anymore. He died for uh, for you so you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to have shame. You don't have to have all of these things. If you study Isaiah 53 and just begin to break it apart, you will be, God will just begin to speak to you and begin to set you free as you begin to do, as you begin to do that. That shalom peace um, that, he, that he has, you know, that he has for you is something that it's a peace that passes all your understanding, the Bible talks about. It guards your heart and mind. It's just something that's supernatural. It's not of this world. We can go to a, you know, the woods or someplace like that just to get peace, but you know, it's different when it's God's peace. How many know what I'm saying? It's so much different. And it says, and by his wounds, we are healed. And I love that. It doesn't just say one person's healed. It says we are healed. He took the penalty for us so that we can be healed. Amen. And that is like body, soul, and spirit. He wants us to be completely whole. And how many know, like, it's a process? How many have experienced that? Like, even this week, I got healing of some things that I didn't understand that I was going through. And, like, God just began to reveal and give revelation of his heart, of who he is, of what he's done on the cross. And so, like, he begins to do that. You know, we are in relationship with him. Amen? And so he loves to reveal his heart to us to set us free. Amen? To rescue us out of the dominion of darkness. The dominion of darkness is not good. <laughs> It's not good. If you think about that, it's not good. It's where depression lives. It's where um, fear lives. It's where um, lack lives. All of these things live there that are not good. And God broke that power to bring you into his marvelous light, which is heavenly light. Amen. And so he prayed, Jesus prayed this famous prayer, the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's an easy indicator to know what you know, heavenly light is, what he has above and what he's done above. We know that there's no sickness in heaven, right? We know that there's no fear in heaven. We know there's no lack. You won't lack anything in heaven. And he wants heaven to come to earth because he made a way through the cross. Amen? And each of us, 
we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. I, I just want to say that the Lord laid the iniquity of us all on him. He took our place on the cross. All of our sin that we that we have in our life, he took our place on the cross. He paid for it. He took the payment for it. It's like you have this, you know, you have something in reserve, right? And it's just waiting for you to take it. It's like there with your name on it. He has the name of freedom. He has freedom with your name on it. That's a sounder way they got it. Just waiting for us to come and redeem it. Come on. Come on. Just waiting for us to come and redeem it. He was oppressed and afflicted and did not open his mouth. And some of us remember the psalm where David talked about that. He didn't even open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken up. And who can speak of his descendants? He was cut off from the land of the living, from the transgression of my people. He was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And these are all prophetic things that actually happened as you read in, um, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And with the rich, the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in this man. And after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life, that's when he was raised from the dead, and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for their transgressions. And that is just such a powerful thing that Jesus did, that he accomplished at the cross. He, he accomplished our forgiveness of sin so that we don't have to be a sinner. How many know that when you accept Jesus, you given him your sin, you asked him to forgive your sin and to take it, right? That means that he has taken your sin and you're not considered a sinner anymore. And the, a lot of times we hear people in the church say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Yeah, he saved you by his grace. And now you're a saint. Amen? You're a saint. You're, you're moved from the kingdom of darkness into his glorious light. And there's so many benefits of being a saint. Amen? It's people who know God that you can have the peace of mind. You can have the provision of God. You can have the health of heaven. You can have all of these things. It's available to you. Amen? You're not just someone who's just a sinner saved by grace who's just waiting for Jesus to come back. We're here on assignment to be little Jesuses in this earth. We're not here just to wait around and stay away from sinners. No, we're called to be light because Jesus lives within us to go into the darkest of places to see the light overtake the darkness. Amen? Like, we're not called. And, you know, he's given us his righteousness. 
we're not a righteous on our own. There's not, you know, like we have in Christ, there's so much good things. Like we have his righteousness. And because we have his righteousness, the Bible talks about that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places above all of principalities and powers and all of those wicked things. We are seated above that. And so when we live, we live from victory, not to get victory. That we already have obtained it through what Jesus did on the cross. We are victors in Christ. We are not mere misery. Is that even a word? We're not just not hanging around waiting for Jesus. I mean, a lot of Christians do that. We're not called to hang around just wait for Jesus to come. Come on. He's coming back for a great and glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Amen. He's coming back to a powerful church. And if we just wait around until Jesus comes, we are defeating what God has called us to do. We are causing Jesus to wait around. (laughs) He's waiting. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Amen? He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Hell was not made for people. He doesn't want anyone to go there. So it's our jobs as Christians. Christians means little Christ. To be a part of this world, not to stay away from the world, but to get into the world and love the people into death, where they die to their sins and come alive to Jesus. Amen? Yeah. But he accomplished so much, and we're not here just to, to wait around. Amen? We have a lot of work to do. I don't know about you. Like, he has, he's put you in the place where you are for a reason, because you're called to make a difference. Amen? You know, we shouldn't get all, like, messed up when we start to hear the world being like the world. Come on. We're more mature than that. God's called us to be more mature than that. Amen? Come on. We used to be like that, right? And they just haven't changed yet. That's all. The Bible... The Bible talks about, for God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, come on, you can quote this to me, will have everlasting life. Like, he died for the world. We shouldn't be afraid to be in the world. Amen? We shouldn't be afraid to go into the darkest places because we are the light. Jesus lives in it. He's the light. You ask him to come inside of you. He lives inside of you. You are light. Light, when you turn the light on, what does it do to darkness? It dispels it. Amen? So gone are the days for the church to sit around and wait for Jesus to come back. Amen? You have a mission. God has given you a purpose. He has given you an assignment in your life to to cause darkness to leave in people's lives. Amen? And I'm telling you, Sickness is not a good thing. (laughs) God doesn't give us sickness. He doesn't give us depression and all of those things to teach us a lesson. I don't know where that people got that in Scripture. That's not in the Bible. It's just someone's theology of how they understood it to be. Like, sickness and, and depression and all those things are from the devil, right? They're not from God. Now, does that mean that... Every single person that I pray for, or maybe you pray for, um, maybe gets well or healed. I don't know. It probably doesn't mean that. I haven't seen it, but I'm going after it to see it. Come on. 
I'm continuing to press into fear. I'm continuing to put myself in places where I have to be scared and vulnerable. How many of us have been scared lately to take a risk to be able to go and talk to someone, right? I, 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 I love and look forward to to do things where I'm nervous about it. And a lot of times um, in the church, you only get nervous about things, about telling people about Jesus after you first get saved, and then, oh, you're, you're mature, and now you don't do that. When did that ever happen? Come on. We didn't graduate from that. He's called us to take risks, amen, to go and love people, to love that, the hell out of them, okay? I'm not swearing. I'm just saying to love the hell out of them so they, they ask Jesus to come in because I believe when people experience Jesus, he's irresistible. He is irresistible. Like he, when people meet the real Jesus, they can't help but like him because he is amazing. He understands those things that we go through. And it's so good. The Christian life is so much fun because you never get bored. There's always crazy stuff happening, right? You know, there's always opportunity. A lot of times we think, oh, you know, it's, it's only God's will if we don't go through stuff. Are you kidding me? Do you ever look at the Gospels? Do you ever read the book of Acts? You know, they went through stuff. You think about Paul and Silas. They went through stuff. Here they are preaching the Gospel, and what happens? They get shot in prison, thrown in prison. I shouldn't have said shot. My friend Judah is always making fun of me saying shot. But anyways, they, they get put in prison. There, that's better. And and what do they do? They could have been like, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. Like, I, I don't think, God, you're there. You know, how many of us do that? Like, are you really real? Am I out of your will? Like, what is happening? I'm not blessed. You know, all of these things because we go through a little persecution or a little trial. But no, Paul and Silas were an example to us, right, that as we step out and we're bold to do what God tells us to do, as they went out to preach the gospel, they ended up getting thrown into prison, put into prison. <laughs> and, thank you, took me a little bit. And, and what did they do? They began to worship. And they began to worship God and sing songs and sing hymns and just, just begin to give God praise. Because, you know what, they were doing what God called them to do, Right? And there's areas in your life where God has called you to do, to do some risky things. But a lot of times, we just miss it because we don't want to be uncomfortable. And God is waiting to come back for a glorious bride, and he's waiting for the church to do things that make him uncomfortable. Right? He's waiting for us to get out of our comfort zone, to go out into the world, right? And to love the hell out of people. Can't believe I said that word out loud. To love just the devil out of people <laughs> so that they can experience God. You know, the Holy Spirit is so powerful. He is. He loves to move. The day of Pentecost, when he came, it just wasn't a one-time stop. Like, he continues to come. How many have experienced him today, you know, during worship when the Holy Spirit comes and pours out during those times, I mean, those times when I'm driving and God comes and in the car and he just gets me places. I don't know how it happens, but, you know, he gets me there. And, and because you're just overwhelmed with his 
fills us up so that we can be poured out to the world. Amen? So that we can be poured out to the world. You know, a lot of times we can get all caught up in what's going on in the world, you know, with all the terrible things happening and politics and, you know, and, and you know, terrorism, all this stuff, and, and we get all mad over it. But God doesn't call us to be mad. Do you know when time of Jesus it was pretty bad? You know, they were killing all those babies, you know, when Jesus was two years old and they left for Egypt. Like, they, it was pretty bad. There was always been bad times. If you think about it and look through history, there has always been really bad times. But us as Christians, we don't need to get caught up in that. I think it's like the enemy's ploy to get us all caught up in all of that mess. But how about if we learn about what's happening in the world and use it as prayer, as a time of prayer, as we watch the things happening and you just begin to cry out and just just begin to say, I just release peace over Sudan. I just release peace over this nation and over this. I release peace over Al-Qaeda. I ask God that there would be revival in Al-Qaeda, in that group, that they would encounter you. And you turn it around. Amen? You turn it around and you start praying instead of getting sucked into all the things. That's what the world does. We're not of this world. Amen? We are not. Our citizenship is in heaven. It is not here. We're a peculiar people. Amen? And, and we're not to act like the world. That's an enemy's ploy to get us to get all bent out of shape and to point at the sinner. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to love the sinner. Jesus hung out with sinners. He went to places where we would be like, oh, my goodness. But he went to places to reach the one. And God knows. What are we afraid of? Are we afraid we're going to get cooties? Like, let's go and infiltrate the darkness. Come on. Let's get all we can to learn and to get to learn how to encounter God. Let's get all we can to learn how to move in signs and wonders. Let's get all we can to learn how to hear from God. And you know what? What happens a lot of time is we go to these classes, we go through discipleship, we go through these things, and we get a lot of head knowledge. But God doesn't want us to be a smart church. He does, but, you know, he doesn't want us to keep it all here. It's not meant for us to know stuff. Come on. We're supposed to demonstrate what we learn. We're supposed to take risks until we see God move. What it says in his word, this word is amazing. It's, it's like inspiration for us to do it again. You know? And, and, and God is, is calling each one of us as a body of believers to not sit around, but to be like Jesus, the hero of the whole world. Amen? Because it is amazing what he does when we give our life to him. And so, and so I totally went off my notes, so I apologize for that. I just thought, I'm going to have to do something different here. <laughs> and so the Bible talks about, you know how it, if you read the book of Acts, and it starts, um, you know, talking about the acts of the church, the early church and all of these things. I just want to tell you, like, that has an end. You know, Acts, what is it, Acts 29, there's not a chapter for that. That's us, right? That's us. Like, we're supposed to continue the move of the Spirit. I don't know about you. I don't want to be a church that's wasted on for revival to come. We are revival. Come on. God has called us to experience Him and to see revival happen in our everyday lives. 
yes, does that not mean, am I not, am I not saying that there's not, I believe that there is just uh, moves of the spirit that, that just clearly come and, and, and totally, I mean, we see it throughout the Bible. I've experienced moves of the spirit. There are moves of the spirit. I contend for moves of the spirit. You don't understand. We, we cry out in our, in our prayer time, in our, in our times as a staff, in our time alone, for God to come and move, for his glory to come in this place. And, and all of those things, like, I believe that 100%. But I also believe that we're not supposed to be sitting around waiting for it to come. That he's calling us to do something. That he's calling us to do something. Get around someone who's seeing it happen. Come on. It took me, like, in my life, I had to say, you know what? I, I don't want to just believe it in theology and not see it evident in my life. I want to see. I believe God has called us. To, to be like you, and that is move in the gifts, move in signs and wonders and miracles, because when those things happen, it gives glory to the Father, and I am here to bring glory to you, and so I believe, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to put myself around people that are moving in it, I'm going to stand next to people that see healings happen, and I'm going to watch how they do it, and I'm going to, in my quiet time, even if I have to pray for my cat, I don't know what it is, but I am going to step out and take risks to see God move, and I'm going to practice what I learn, and I'm not going to get upset when I don't see it happen, but it's just going to cause me all the more to go after and say, God, I still believe you. Lord, place your hand upon me. Lord, put your anointing upon me, God. Help me to feel you more clear next time, and, and I refuse to be mad at myself. I lived for years of being mad at myself, but I, but, but Jesus died that I don't have to be mad at myself for for not getting things perfect. He became perfect so I could put on Jesus and go forth and, and be Jesus in this world. Amen? So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the things that are going on in your life that is your struggle, but God knows. And I want to encourage you to go after God to see breakthrough, to go after it and, until you see breakthroughs happen. To go and read books. If you need, if you need, uh, if you need some advice on what to read or what to do, come and talk to Jim and I. We'll just tell you what works for us, you know. And there's probably so many different ways, but don't just stay stagnant. Come on, don't stay stagnant. We're here to make a difference in this world, Amen. We're here to let Jesus, the hero of all time, be revealed in our life to be revealed in this dark world. Like, he is waiting. He is waiting for you to move. He's waiting for you to come after him. It's all there. Everything you need, he accomplished at the cross. And he's just waiting for us to say yes to him. And I don't know if there's someone in here that you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. I just want to just take the time and just say that God has everything that you need. I don't know what you're struggling with, with different things in your area, in your life, in different areas in your life. Maybe you were like, when I was uh, nine years old, I didn't really understand, but I knew, like, I was clean and God did something. All of my sins were forgiven. All this weight of guilt was taken away, and I was completely made whole. And if you're in here and you've never done that, I just want to lead you in a prayer to see God come into your life so that you can be part of the body of Christ. Amen. To 
let Jesus shine through this dark world to cause darkness to turn into light. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that, and I want to lead you into part of that. So if that's you, we're just going to, together as a family, we're just going to pray, and I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to pray it, and then you could just repeat after me. Does that sound good? We could do it as a family, and those who are doing it for this first time, I'm super excited about what God's doing right now. You know, he's probably stirring your heart. And so right now, if you just close your eyes, and we're just going to focus on on Jesus right now together. Here we are. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, I come before you now. You can repeat after me. Father, I come before you now, and I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you now to forgive me of all my sins. The past sins, the present sins, and the future sins. I believe that what you did on the cross, when you died for me, was enough for me to be free from the power of sin. Sin now has no control over me. I'll say that again. Sin now has no control over me. Jesus, you have control over me. So today I choose to believe. And I ask you, God, to come and take ownership of my life. that you would fill my life with your Holy Spirit that I may never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you see to be saved, Father, and ask me. We're just going to go into a time of ministry, and I realize that our time is church is ending, and so I just want to just do um, <clears throat> just a, a formal um, just dismissing you guys and just pray for you guys, but I also want to go into a time of ministry where I feel like God wants to just begin to pour um, out his presence in this place. I feel like there's people in here who who haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, or maybe they, they haven't been filled in a long time, and I feel like God wants to fill you with his to minister you and pray for you, but we're just going to go after it to, today together for those who, who want, um, who have time, <laughs> who don't have commitment, and who want to go after it to be filled with the power that I've been talking about on how to be Jesus in this world. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I just bless every person in this room. Lord, I bless um, those in here who maybe have come to you in the first and ask you to come into their heart for the first time. God, I ask that you would bless them, God. I ask, God, that they would never be the same again. I ask that you would put them with a family, God, that can help them to mature and grow up, Lord, and that you would bless them. And Lord, I speak to everyone in this room. I just pray a blessing over them. I just would 
this blessing. I just say the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And so, Lord, bless each person now. Bless them as they go through their week and as they go in fellowship in their um, in their um, faith healing, God. And I just pray, God, that you would also um, bless this time as we're together, Lord, as we, um, Lord, come and come and experience more of you. And I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So right now, I'm just with you. If you want to go, we're just going to dismiss you. But if you are here, and there's no condemnation if you have to go. It's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But we're just going to open it now to more ministry time. And so if you um, feel like you just want, um, you've never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come up. And we're just going to pray for you. If you feel like you just want to, um, you just want to spend time with God alone, we have the altar open here. You're just welcome to come and just spend time with God and just hunger for more of him. And so anyway.